Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. We're going to bring the lights up just for a minute. I, I, I got something I want to share. We got, we got a lot planned this morning, so let's just don't be in a hurry. We got a couple of dances. I was going to try to get away from this, but I, I feel like that um, just bring that here, right here, guys. Um, Stanton's going to come up here and share in a moment. Just, I'm not going to be long. I'm just going to exhort just for a few moments, okay? read something out of Proverbs chapter 4 of the Passion Translation. Yesterday, um, things are just real busy at our house. And I know that Fiaz says that busyness is illness of spirit. But when you get three kids and you're playing baseball, all three playing, Two in the wreck and Grant playing with the high school team. We did a doubleheader in Albany Friday night. And he said, Dad, it's been a while since we went to Keaton. Can we go to Keaton on Saturday? I was already wore out. But I try to be a good father. So I got up at 4.30. And we went fishing on the flats all day. <laughs> and was on the way home last night and John Miss said, Dad, why are we riding with the window down? I said, because I'm trying to stay awake. <laughs> but I felt like that, um, I felt like the Lord spoke to me on something that I want to share with you. I guess it was last week. It might have been last week or the week before. Just in my personal time of the Lord, I was reading um, just the book of John. And I was reading in John chapter 6 where Jesus fed the 5,000. And I've read that, man, a hundred times, if not more. But I saw something, Miss Ian, I've never seen. And I was telling Stanton about it. That, you know, in that text, that Jesus has a crowd to set down in 50, which I believe that's significant. 50 is the number of Pentecost. There was a young lad with five barley loaves. Barley loaves is the first harvest that Israel would harvest. It's a picture of the resurrection that they were about to partake of. But he said, you're not going to eat it standing up. Sit down. And over the past week and yesterday and even last night and this morning, I don't believe that worship has got to be hard. I believe it's very simple. It's very easy. Come on now. I'm standing at the front, so I don't know when Matt was saying to sing, Jesus, you're beautiful. They were seven or eight kids, and that's all I could hear was their voice saying, Jesus, you're beautiful. Worship is simple, friend. Come on. We make it hard. And I felt like that 
I just want to talk to you. I'm just trying to help us here. Now help me more than any. But as for me with my personality that I have, I get caught up in straining more probably than anybody in this room. My father raised us to work hard. I believe in hard work. God blesses the work of your hands. Do you believe that? And so, and I remember when I was talking to Jamie Tuttle in, a, in, a, in our office, and he said that Bishop Joseph Garlington came up to him, and he said, Jamie, he said, you, you feel a lot of times, you struggle to feel that the people's not with you. He said, when you've been swimming in the deep in a long time, if someone's toe is in the pool, they're in the pool with you. They're just not as far as where you're at. And I by no means claim to be swimming in any deep water. I've been after it for 20 years. And the more I study, the less I know. The closer I get, the further I feel away. Is anybody else in this room like that? And I said, God, I want to eat the bread of life. And I want you to teach me how to sit down to eat the bread because I always want to stand. I always want to go after it. So God, teach me. Not only that, God, teach me how to do this thing we call church. How do I get the people hungry for more yet at a place of rest? See, in the natural, the less you eat, the hungrier you get. But in the kingdom, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. It, it, it breeds it, the more you the more you encounter him the more you want him the more you eat the more you study the more you want and in Proverbs 4 I want to read this it says listen carefully my dear child to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health to you. I'm in Proverbs 4 verse 20 of the Passion Translation. So above all, look at this. Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for there flows the wellspring of life. My job is just to watch and see if I'm straining or if I'm resting. When we're straining, we never feel good enough. We feel that we never measure up. I want to tell you this morning that everyone in this room, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you measure up this morning. Come on, church. My God, I'm quoting life over us. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Says the Spirit of God breathed into man's, into man. It's like a living lamp. The King James renders that verse that the inward part of man is the candle of the Lord. The Spirit of God breathed in the man is like a living lamp, a shining lamp, searching into the innermost chambers of our being. Listen to this. 
Dusty sent this out to us the other day, and I told him I was so thankful. This is Bill Johnson, and this is what he said he wished he would have learned as a young man, that God lights the fire on the altar, but it's the priest's job to keep it burning. God ignites the fires of revival. How long it lasts depends on us. How long the passion stays alive in my heart depends on how well I guard my heart. How well I watch out for the garden that God is cultivating on the inside of me. That's good. How long it lasts depends on us. It will last as long as there's an offering. The fire will keep burning as long as there's an offering to be laid upon it every day. It doesn't matter if you spend two hours, friend, or if it's throughout your day that you feel your mind is wavering like Catherine said. You just simply pull it back and say, God, I'm so thankful for your presence in my life. It's not a difficult thing. Psalms 27 verse 4. probably wrecking your stuff, Stanton, but that's all right. Huh? Proverbs 27. Verse 4. Said, here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with all and delight in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. David said, the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else, I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, to dwell in his temple. When David wrote that, there was not a temple even built. What he found was God's living presence, his home and his place. And he said, God, I want your presence above all else. This is the one thing I seek, and that is to be found in your presence. I just wrote here how easy it is to live this place and get focused on self and the issues of dead works. Now, What I want to show you is really this. I just set this up to say this. The Song of Solomon is a parable within a parable. It is is the story of a Shulamite and the king. But it is no Christian erotica. It is the story of God's burning heart towards us. If you sit down and read the Song of Solomon, it is God's passion. Friend, I'm telling you, the, more, the like if we say this morning, God, I want you 1,100 times more than that, is God saying back, oh, how I want you. I long for you. I burn with passion for you, friend. We are the reason why God left eternity, left his home and came and humbled himself as a man so that he could have relationship. I love what Bishop Ron says, that God became the son of man so that we could become the sons of God. You and I had no access. We had no hope without him. We could never measure up in the old covenant. We could never measure up to the Ten Commandments. So God became the measure line for you and I and measured up so that you and I could gather this morning into this place with all our failures, all our mistakes, all our dirtiness and still worship him and lift holy hands and he still invade our lives with his presence. That's good. Now this is what, if you're going to be a God chaser, and I hope you are, 
I want to tell you with something you've got to learn how to get straight. Because if you don't, you'll get frustrated and you'll give up. The Song of Songs, chapter 1. In verse 5, the Shulamite is us and the king is Jesus. Look at verse 5. Jerusalem's maidens in, his, in this twilight darkness. I know I'm so unworthy, so in need. How many ever feel like that? Am I the only one in this room? Gosh, you're looking like dead cattle in a gate, but that's all right. Am I the only one in this room? Huh? I'm so unworthy and I'm so in need. And she says this, listen to me. Look, I wrote this down. The deeper we go into the heart of Jesus, the more we are, the more we confront our own weakness and shameful ways. It is though we get worse rather than better. See, the closer you get to God, the weaker you're going to see yourself and the more ugly you will see yourself. But how many knows it, Terry? God never looks at us. He never looks at the outward of man. He always looks at the inside of man. And on the inside of man is the spirit in which he created on the inside of us. That's where the spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. And this Shulamite bride, and she's hearing his woo saying, oh gosh, she hears his voice saying, come. But when she looks at herself, she sees this broken piece of trash before him and said, I'm dark, I'm messed up, I'm so unclean. This is the way we come to church. People, I know what I'm talking about this morning. We want to enter in. We look at that, but we see all the mistakes in our life. We see the, the religion, the taskmaster of religion. I was raised in the Pentecostal church, so anytime I don't pray three hours a day or get it just right, I always feel unworthy to come and preach the gospel but what I'm telling you, he is not that taskmaster that that religious spirit told us who he was. He is a good father that is in passionate relationship with us. God has taught me more through my three boys than I've ever learned out of a textbook. The way they respond. If they go in the store, John Ben just celebrated a birthday. Birthdays got out of hand a little bit at our house, so I just called it back. I'm just telling you what I do. I don't. But I give them 200 bucks for their birthday. And John Ben got his $200. It's his. He can do what he wants to with it. But his mom takes him to academy, and I told him, just gave him some ideas of what to get. And he goes in. He said, Mom, I didn't want to take my money and buy stuff just for me. So he bought us some cornhole boards and something that the whole family could play with. That's amazing. He's 11 years old and breaking greed off his own life. I got to finish this up. But it's just burning in my heart from yesterday and last night. 
She said, look at this. What did I say in Proverbs 4? Where did we start out with? Your task is to keep your heart, right? Is that where we started? The task is simply to guard your heart. Keep it. Keep the garden of your heart. And look at her. She said, Jerusalem, uh, I know I'm so worthy, so in need. Look at what he says back, but you're so lovely. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. Yet you are so lovely like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. What he was saying to her, look, you see yourself this way, but let me tell you the way I see you. I see you as the finest tapestry that I got hanging in my temple. See, the priests were the only ones that could see the inner part of the temple. Come on, somebody. And what he's saying is you get lost lost looking in the mirror at your own imperfections, but I never see your imperfection. When I look at you, I see the work that I've done inside of your heart. And what's hanging inside of your heart is the fine linen tapestry of the robes. Come on, somebody of righteousness of Jesus being placed in my life. Oh, my God, if we could ever get this revelation. Oh, if we could ever teach a young people to get this revelation because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. But let me tell you this. The Bible says, though the righteous fall, they get up. What separates us from the man, from anybody else, is that we get up, Trent, when we go down. Come on, somebody. Because we know that we got a good father, and his grace is able to reach down into any pit and save us. I, I was told this coming up, Dustin, that God helps those that help themselves. That is absolutely absolute lie. God helps those who cannot even help themselves. Come on somebody. See, when we get another image, we start straining, trying to get good enough, trying to work it up fast enough so that we can somehow get in there. When he don't have to be worked up, he's already big enough. He's already worthy to be praised, honor, and glory. If he never does anything else, friend, he's done enough. And what he's done is awesome. It's amazing. I've, for after 20 years, I'm still amazed at his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. He should have not been gathered out a long time ago. But thank God for grace and mercy. All right, look at this. The deeper we get, we got to confront our weakness and our shameful ways. It seems as though we get worse rather than better. You and I talked about this the other other night, so I just want to read it. This is Isaiah in his throne room encounter. I'm almost done. Kids are going to do a dance, and Stanton's going to tell us about where we at with our, with what the teenagers are doing. Folks, I'm telling you, regardless of what you feel in this room this morning, I'm telling you, lives are being changed. God is on the move in this place. Come on, somebody! I said, God's on the move in this place. 
And what I got to learn as a leader is your face don't determine what God is saying. Come on, somebody. When somebody shows up, it don't determine what God's saying. If you don't show up, we still going to be fine. As long as he's here in the room, friend, he's the one we're after. Come on, somebody. He's the provider. He's a blesser. He's a healer. Come on, somebody. And what God said, let every man be alive in his word will stand the test of time. I have found him to be true, and I found him to be when we got college age kids that have to be toted out of a house I'm telling you God is on the move friend when we got a 7 year old that I quoted 8 year old Jake's 8 but I said this on Wednesday night that Cleve said that they were going out to dinner and Jake said can we just cut the radio off this is an eight-year-old kid. He said, can we just cut the radio off? He said, let's just talk. Let's just talk. And the question he wanted to talk was, Nani, or Nana, that's Nani behind you. Nana, what has the Holy Spirit said to you? This is an eight-year-old. Come on, somebody. So what I have to do, and I'm not taking, I'm not trying to beat, beat us up, but what I got to take in the prayer room and say, Father, when I saw Sam asleep while I was preaching, come on, somebody. I know there's an eight-year-old that's listening to every word that's going on. Come on, somebody. And if an eight-year-old saying, listen, Catherine said it right. The children are leading us in this hour. I said the babes and sucklings are leading us in this hour. We just ain't caught up to them. Look at this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. He was sitting on his exalted throne, towering high above me. This is the Passion Translation of the book of Isaiah, by the way. Look at this. Towering high above me, his long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. See, you can't read this. Look at me, church. Look at me. You can't read this as just Isaiah's encounter because it's so deeper than this. This is not just Isaiah having an encounter of God's robe filling the temple. What you got to see it as is you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And His robe of righteousness has filled your temple. I said his robe of righteousness has filled our temple. And when Isaiah saw him come in the temple, he says, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. And then he sees the seraphim flying. In his vision, the seraphims are the fiery ones. They guard the glory of God. And the fiery seraphim reaches and pulls a coal. A coal is where a fire was. Come on, somebody. It's where the activity had already happened. 
This speaks of the finished work of the cross. Come on, somebody. And he reaches and he touches Isaiah's lips. And when he touches Isaiah's lips, listen, what Isaiah saw was his sin. What the angel saw was God's glory. Listen, as we go into the presence of God, you cannot see your sin. You've got to see his finished work. And his finished work makes you acceptable to go into the presence of God. Church, I don't know if we get... See, I was raised, and sanctification has this new part. But I was raised. You got to be saved, sanctified. I worked with a guy who's in the Holiness Church. He's a young guy, a few years older than me. Both of our lives got changed about the same time. And he was, he said that, um, He had been seeking the baptism of the Spirit for over a year. And he said, when I get sanctified, I know that he's going to come. I said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I said, it goes against the Bible. The Bible says his promise is given to those. That this promise is given to you and to your children and as many as the Lord God shall call. I said, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened. Come on, somebody. How many knows that John the first wet the, in, in John chapter two the wedding at Cana there was six water pots earthen vessels we you and I are earthen vessels we have this treasure in earthen vessels how many knows that was dirty water in there that's where they would come and wash their hands and feet as they would enter into the wedding ceremony but Jesus never told them to dip that water out come on somebody. He never told him to dip that water out. He just blessed that water to turn it into wine. That is the filthiness in our lives. Come on, somebody. That's you taking all your stuff under God, saying, God, I don't know what to do with this addiction. I don't know what to do with the rage. I don't know what to do with the anger. I don't know what to do with my children. But, God, I'm asking you, can you touch me? God has the ability to turn your dirty situation into wine where somebody else can drink out of your life my God that's good this morning church I said that's good you can't see your sin you got to see his glory look at verse 6 this is in the King James she says, don't look at me. The sun, the sun has darkened me. Verse 8 says, if you don't know, you're already love. You are lovely. Listen to this. His love conquers fear, unbelief, and the shame of failure. His strong current of love drowns her rejection out. What makes me lovely is found in the image of Jesus and my willing spirit that longs for him. With a willing spirit, we make it to to become mature. This thing I know, this is what I found out to be true. Miss Mary, after 20 years of walking with the Lord, one thing that I found to be true is Philippians 1.6. He that hath begun a good work, he will complete it unto the day of Jesus. That's what I rest with with my life. That's what I rest with with this church. God, what you what you started on March 10th, 1991, with Dale Young, you were praying to 100% completion. Come on, somebody. 
through every trial, through every temptation, through every setback. God, you will complete. Look at your neighbor and say, don't judge me now. God's not through, but I'm on my way. Don't, don't judge me right now. I'm on the way. God's not finished with me. All right, guys, you're fixing to dance. We get caught up on the outer man. We see the outer man is dark. She couldn't see but skin deep. But he looked beyond the skin. She couldn't see but skin deep. What he was drawn to was not her outward problems. It was her inward beauty that he created. See this? You see, we, when we get into church just a little bit, if you've been Christianized for a little while, man, we forget where we come from. Has anybody ever had an addiction? That's, let me tell you something. We, we look at people with addiction and say, why don't they just throw it down? Have you ever had one? It ain't that simple sometimes. Just throw it down. See, I know what it's like to struggle over some stuff. That's why the world don't run into the church because we stiff neck. We look at people with problems. We pray for the harvest to come in. The harvest is dirty, friend. The harvest is jacked up with addictions, tattoos, spiky hair, lesbians, gays, homosexuals, murders. That's the harvest. And Paul said, such were some of you. Such were some of you. But by the grace of God. What sets me different than the vilest person in the world is I'm forgiven. The grace of God. Why don't they just quit? Why don't they just stop? Well, I heard what Damon Thompson said one time. He said, don't you point your finger at another problem until you got enough power on your life to change the problem. Hello. Don't you point out another problem until there's enough power on your life to shatter that problem off of somebody else. I'm done right here. can only see skin deep let me tell you why you're lovely you say preacher you don't know my life and you're telling me this morning that God sees me lovely I'm telling you this morning that God sees me lovely Romans 8 we've all heard this quoted Romans 8 verse 1 says now therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus how many knows that's what the Bible says King James says, for those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When the King James commentator sat down to, to dissect that verse and to translate that verse, they could not believe that God was that good. If you look at it in the King, if you have a new King James, it will be italicized in your Bible because that is never in the original language. 
That is never in the original language. That is added by the King James commentator as religious people that didn't believe just because a person could be in Christ that they have no condemnation. Hello. You can't send yourself away from God. Look at that scary right there. Look, I can't believe. I said you can't send yourself away from God. Well, you ain't never read the Bible. The Bible says because of your sin and iniquity has called me to turn my face towards you. Jesus already done turned his face. Come on, somebody. Over 2,000 years ago, he is not turning his face today. The problem is when we catch the fish, we want to make them like us. What I found out with my boys is I can't make them me. The Bible instructs me to train a child in the way that they should go. Not in the way that I should think they should go, that they should go. This is why I try to be mindful of the prophecies over your lives so that we can steer you in the right direction. If you got seven prophecies that God has called you as a singer, I don't want to make you a doctor. done right here. I'm going to give you five things and I'm going to be done right here. They're not points. You are lovely because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, Coven, it was absolutely finished in that moment. There is no more price for sin. It's been paid in full. We don't believe it. I can tell you, I know for a fact we don't believe that in this room. But I said the price, the payment of of sin has been rendered in full. You are lovely because of what Christ did on the cross, not because of what you did last week. See, what you see, you see what you did last week is holding you back from God. But that's only in your eyes. That's not in His. I challenge you to take, I challenge you this. You take the Song of Solomon, and you read it this week, and every time he speaks to the Shulamite, you say, John, you say your name, because that's God what he speaks about you. You see the, I see myself dry as the curtains of no, as like the tents of no man. Oh, but when I look at you, I see you as one of Pharaoh's fillies. You're the finest of horses. Your cheeks are lovely. I'm dark. Don't look upon me. Oh, thou fairest among women. Oh, thou fairest. See, let me just say this. That when I, when I listen to like, like that fivefold ministry, I was like, God, what happens on the inside of me is I hear it and I know it's so true. And it's so, it's like so higher than where the church is or where I live. See, I'm not in California. I'm not in Hamilton. I'm not in Kansas City. But I've dashed my life for the last 20 years with these moves of God. But I live in the South, in South Georgia. 
where there's more religion, there's more Christianese and fake church, and so little God. And Terry, in my natural state, I think I got to start running like, my God, we're never going to get there if people don't start going wide open. But then when I get along with God in His wisdom, there's two ways, listen to me. If the devil can't take you out with the girl, the three G's for the preacher is the gold, the glory, and the girl. But all girls ain't bad because he sent me bad to the bone. But... If he can't do that, what he does, what he'll do is he'll get your foot on the accelerator and cause you to push it down to the floor till he burns you completely out. Or through, Shane, you get so caught up in your business that you're operating off of the flesh that you've left the spirit long behind because always remember, he feeds us when we're sitting down. So I had to remind myself as a leader of Cornerstone, I have to look at photographs and see how far we've come. Church, we've come on an amazing journey. It's been an amazing journey since 1991 and everybody that's played a part. Steve, would you not agree with that? We've had our highs and we've had our lows. But one thing about it, we're still in this place going for it every Sunday. All right, you're lovely because your willing spirit that says yes to God. I've had. 1,000 faults, 100 million mistakes. But what I've always had is a yes. You are lovely because of your willingness to say yes. You are lovely because of your willingness to say yes. God honors your heart toward Him. Somebody's going to leave encouraged today. Somebody might leave mad. The kindness of God's personality shining through you makes you lovely. Our eternal destiny is to become the Lamb's wife. That's why I'm lovely this morning. Come on now. How many's ever read the book of Hosea? He had a wife. Did he not tell you? that every time they got off the honeymoon, she run around on him. He said, God, I'm tired of this woman. Been to get rid of her. He said, go buy her back. Why? Because where's that wife? Where's that wife, Miss? Where's the wife that always goes astray? And he was saying, hey, in an inferior covenant, if I had a man named Hosea that would go by our back every time, how much more in a greater covenant of grace do you think that I will keep going back to get you? See, services like this, people say, man, preacher must be seeing this week. We possess virtues of his grace. 
a preacher has sinned. And this is where I've made the mistake. For two weeks, I've been hollering, saying, come on, come on, come on. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Get deeper, get higher. Instead of just looking and enjoying the journey and say, God, just help me stay in the seat. Some battles are only won unless you stay in the seat. There's some things we're not going to walk in unless we just stay in the seated posture. I do know this. I love this church with my whole heart and life. I pray for every person in here every day of my life. I want every one of you to walk in the fullness that God has for you. The tragic tragedy would be for me to behold miracles from God and you not taste of them yourself. Father, I bless us with rest in this room. I bless us with rest, with the peace of God. It guards our hearts and minds. We are lovely this morning. We are lovely. Father, I repent before these people for bringing your word in here like a hammer. Father, I never want to strike the rock like Moses when you say just speak to the rock. Father, I thank you that you've given me a people that love me, that put up with my foolishness and my folly and my youthfulness. I thank you that you've given me elders that love one another and love you. They're not perfect, and we're not perfect by no means, but we love each other and we love God. Lord, I bless this house with great rest. I pray this week be an awesome week. I pray that you would wash our hearts and you would sweep out the old cluttered thoughts. Do a little spring cleaning in us, Lord. Make us feel anew and afreshed. Let us guard this heart, this garden that you walk in and that you move from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 